from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome one and all to the Wow Report here on Radio Andy. I am Tom Campbell filling in for our fearless leader, uh, Fenton Bailey. I'm the chief creative officer at World of Wonder. Figure out what that means. Fenton is off on a, a very glamorous vacation, from what I hear. He's exploring the ruins in Greece. You know, things of that nature. It looks really fun. But we miss him, and we can't wait till he comes back. In the meantime, we continue countdowning. Countdowning. We're countdowning. We're countdowning. The top 10 thingies that make us go, wow, woo, with James St. James and Blake Jacobs, always with us, now full-time uh, contributing uh, on this show. So um, as I try to wake up and make full sentences, we will continue with the show. There's no retakes today. No retakes. This is why I should be in charge. I don't know why they put you in charge every time. Someday they should just let me be the host. I'm I, sorry. I, I don't say things like like yeah. uh, countdowning. I that, that's not in my repertoire. So well, well, when we negotiate our very lucrative contracts, James, you might want to bring that up with your with your legal team. In the meantime, we're going to start counting down the top 10 things that make us go wow with number 10. Number 10. Last night, I saw the new Wham! documentary. I don't even know about this. What is it? Tell me. Oh, my God. Just released this week on Netflix, which I never got, I never turned to, but but Wham! made me turn. And you, it's it's Wham! story. It's the Wham! story. It's not George Michael after Wham! It talks about, obviously, the... And you really... <sighs> Andrew was so beautiful. They were both so beautiful. It was a moment in time. They are exactly my age. I realize what they were going through, what they were wearing, they were much more glamorous than me, but it exactly speaks to who I was. And even about being gay, Andrew, which I never kind of knew for sure, but Andrew's straight. George obviously was gay. I didn't know that. And they met in high school, whatever they call it in England, in 1975 or, or grammar school when George was new in school and his name was, I wrote it down, but it was like the crazy Greek name. They call Cosm- him like Cosmopolis. Yeah. Yes. Like and, yes. and, and, and Yorg was, is his name. Yorg. Hey, Yorg. How you doing? Yorg, Andrew uh-huh. and Yorg. And, uh, and the, the teacher said, here's our new student. Yorg is, rah, rah, rah. he goes, who's going to, who's going to take care of him? Who's going to make sure. And Andrew raised his hand. Oh. And for the next 10 years, they were kind of inseparable. And they created and one then, of the most. You know, and then it, it, the kicker is that George took care of Andrew, you know, by giving him the, the rights and, and to the songwriting credits yes. and things. It's a love story in a friendship way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and even though, again, this is, you know, I think the George Michael story gets dark after this. And I think yeah. there's seeds of it. Uh, but I relate to it so much in my own life because they were friends through high school. Andrew was the guy. Andrew was the guy in high school you wanted to be. He dressed right. He looked right. He was a leader. All those two wanted to do was be in a band. They did skits, you know, and it's one of these documentaries where it's all found footage. You know what I'm saying? You don't see anybody, no talking heads, which is kind of nice. And and they have this, it's really uncanny, but they have this, I guess, uh, interview that George Michael did on BBC Radio years ago. So you have Andrew's voice in the past and present, I guess, and you have George's voice, but they're telling the exact same story. And they're both so loving to each other. There's no, you know, and you realize, um, skipping way ahead, because we know the journey, but like, they were a band. Their first hit was in 82. 
and they broke up in 86. And you would think by the sounds of them, they're like, oh, we're getting old for this. But, you know, it does wear you out. But they were like 23 when the band broke up. They were 20 when they had their first, you know, number one hit in the UK and then became international stars. But can I just tell you, I was at the Copa. I was 15 years old at the Copa in Fort Lauderdale when the when Club Tropicana came on with the video. And seeing that video, just it was you know, in their Speedos at Club Tropicana, and the song is so bouncy. It was one of those, like, we are now firmly in the 80s. This is what the 80s is about. Yes. And they, they were so of their time and just it just it happy, 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 happy music that I will always look back on. And it reminds me, not to get too personal, but it's like, it is, as it makes me want to cry, but like 1980, 81, I was 17 and 18, I was still closeted gay. So it's like the divide of the world of being straight and gay didn't really exist yet. You were just part of the world. You were just part of boys, you know, like boys at Harvard and boys at school. And and AIDS hadn't happened yet. And we just lived and loved and it was so exciting. And then things got really twisted and, you know, I always, I, I project myself on George Michael because George Michael, when he put that curtain down in 1990 and said, I'm not doing videos anymore and all that kind of stuff. I always, I always imagine, I don't know this for a fact that he like was tested positive or something like something happened to change his, his mood. And like the same, you know, I, I had a very similar path where it's like all this joy followed by AIDS fear, followed by this dichotomy of like, I don't know. But you, you know, it is hard to explain to people today, but that, Feeling in 80, 81, 82, 83, when there was Talk Talk and Kaja Gugu and Boy, you know, Boy George and Annie Lennox and and that feeling of just that shift, that huge yes. shift in, in pop culture had changed. And they were at the forefront of that. And it just the, And the we were all in it together. And it was yeah. infectious. And, you you know, they say that there was a New York Times article that was a little snide about it. Go, it goes, there is a generation that can tell you where they were when they first time they saw the video for Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, it was, I was in um, my first weekend um, at school at NYU, and yeah. I saw it. And it, that, to me, is that September, October, November of 1984. Yes. I will, rem- I mean, forever. I remember the Catherine Hammond shirt. I wore it, you know? Sure. And, and Jake is moving on. You know, it obviously, you know, they were dismissed a lot because they were pop. Who's I've Jake? always loved pop, but they have amazing songs and, and on and on. It's so worth watching. It is a joy. If you're of a certain age, it's amazing. If it's not, it's still, it's, it's full of joy, which I'm going to talk about another documentary that's not so full of joy, but um, um, that's Wham. Uh, it's just simply called Wham, uh, the documentary now playing on Netflix. Let's move on to number nine. Number nine. I watch Glamorous on Netflix. And like you, I don't go to Netflix that often anymore. Like it's, it's, I, I have other places that I, I do now. Um, my, my Netflix, it, it glitches. It's horrible. I, I hate the whole setup. I hate everything about it. But I went, I watched Glamorous, the Kim Cattrall series that has just started starring Miss Benny, who is a trans actress. Um, she, her pronouns. She is playing a non-binary character with they, them pronouns. So it gets a little tricky when you talk about them in this context. But anyway, the story is is that um, there's a, a gender nonconforming teenager who is, or he's pretty, they are probably in their 20s, 
early 20s, they get a job working for the glamorous makeup mogul Madeline Addison, played by Kim Cattrall. Now, the thing is, we love Kim Cattrall so much. You know, sure. I mean, like everything about her is fabulous. The outfits are fabulous. The lines that she tosses off are fabulous. The attitude is fabulous. And Miss Benny is a star. There's there's just no getting around that. Miss Benny Wonderful. is she is she is absolutely fabulous. Unfortunately, the writing is atrocious. Ooh. It makes and just like that look like Chekhov. Okay. It is it I mean literally it is like fingernails on the blackboard. It is so obvious and the puns are so terrible and everything about it is just awful. I couldn't make it through the first episode. Okay. And I have a high tolerance for this type of thing. Um like I said, the outfits are fabulous and the and the, the characters are great and everything like that, but the writing just it I, I can't do it. I wish you would all I want you all to just try and get through the first episode and then report back to me. Because you know, I almost watched it last night knowing we were going to talk about it, but I didn't get a chance. Um, um, it's getting good to mix reviews on on social media because I think people are so hungry for Kim Cattrall that they're being positive. Yeah. But yeah. I've also read some bad things. So, well, maybe it'll do well enough and get a second season with better writing. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, uh, I I don't know. I just I can't I can't with it. It's just oh no. It's, what do you think? You know what it is? It's like an AI ingested a bunch of YA books and some uh, Instagram memes and spit them out into uh, dialogue. Careful, because I, I am the artificial intelligence of RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, I make every bad, you know, Lila bad puns on that show. I'm sorry. I haven't even heard of this show yet. You haven't? Mm-mm. I think it's the reason that she went and did the cameo on and just and like okay. that. So she would generate press around promoting glamorous i mean it's the number one show on netflix so you know it is yeah it's also very weird to me how this show used to be uh like advertisement for netflix and now none of us watch netflix it's true it's true times change people change. i know and the algorithm knew that everyone wanted this show and now they just need to find somebody that can actually write it all right it's glamorous it stars kim cattrall and who's the other uh breakout star miss benny Miss Benny. Can't, I, I want to watch for Miss Benny. Um, on Netflix playing now. Um, we are counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week, and we have reached number eight. Number eight. Um, have you guys heard of this show called Swiping America? No, tell me. No. It's on HBO. It's a reality show. It takes four New Yorkers. There's Reagan. She's the blonde, you know, all-American girl. There's Ki-sun. She's a Korean, really pretty girl. Her and Reagan become really good friends. There is Ash, who is a lesbian. And then there is Chris, who is this really hot, half-Indian boy, who is the gay one. And they go all around the, the country. They go from city to city. And the film crew finds matches for them on like Bumble or Twitter or whatever, Tumblr or whatever they, what is it Tinder. called? Tinder. Tinder. Yeah. yeah. So they meet up, they have their date zero where they meet up with like a lot of people in the city. And then they go on like a bigger date with someone from date zero that they liked. And they went to like 10 cities. They started in like Asheville, North Carolina. And then they went to, um, New Orleans, and then they went to Austin and Seattle and blah, blah, blah. 
it was really good. I would totally watch season two. I hope that now do do they do we see them hooking up with these people? Is it a sexy show? Is it all about the sex, or is it more? No, it's more about the love and relationship, which was. But is it? Do you also realize as you go move across the country that some places are more sexier than others, and the people in some places are more uh, hookupable? Well, that's my commism. Are they hookupable in (laughs) Austin as opposed to Raleigh? I mean, I feel like straight people can hook up anywhere. I feel like that would be more of a question. Well, for like- see, I feel like gays can hook up in a, you know, a broom closet. They can find somebody wherever they go. But it's harder to find someone in the South, really, that is willing to, you know, like there are gay cities and then there are not really that gay cities. Is the objective to find a mate or just to watch people date? No, the objective is to find a mate. And at the end, they all, the last episode, they choose the one person from the whole trip and they all go to Hawaii. And then they stay for like a week and try to get to know. It sounds like this this sounds like someone's came up with an idea of how to get a trip to Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, the, the big, the fatal flaw for this for me is the number one thing other than no is is sort of location 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 like what happens if you fall in love with somebody who lives in Asheville, north carolina what are you gonna well, do that, I, that's, that's what i'm saying like that's what are we learning that there are places that are more desirable to hook up than others i think the thing was is they were just tired of dating in new york so it was like a social experiment to get yeah. them out of new york and see how dating was in yeah. other cities that was a sitcom on tv land uh, called Hot in Cleveland. Remember the premise of that? A bunch of hot girls from LA, they're playing uh, emergency lands in Cleveland and they're hot there, so they decide to live. It was Valerie Bertinelli and... Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember so, that. I just didn't know the premise of it. Yeah, it was that. You know, that was the, the first week premise and then they just, you know, made Betty White jokes. God bless right. you. Because well, aren't we all, we're like, you know, ones in Los Angeles, but if we go to Cleveland, aren't we all like, like eights or something? Isn't that like... <laughs> I peek out it too. I peek out it too everywhere I go. Can I just say, not not related, but I was just in New Hampshire visiting family and friends, and I came, you know, a lot of time alone. But when I um in the airport, it brought me back to I have such a thing for hot, fertile dads. You know, what I'm saying like dads pushing baby carriages that just just made that thing. And I swear to God, I cannot tell gay people from straight people anymore. And I, I assumed that they were dads. And I thought, I think they're the gay best friends of these single mothers. I don't know. I just, that was, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff happening inside of me at the airport at Logan yesterday. But I if also you're... remember when you were at your high school reunion, Tom, you were saying that you felt like a, like an eight compared to your classmates or something. You, you said that you looked really good and that people like you were really hot in New Hampshire. Oh, I, I'd love to. I don't know if I ever have called myself hot, but uh, uh, but you know, except when there was phone sex, then I could really be. I was <laughs> six foot, two hundred pounds, thirty-two waist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> things I've never been. Um, <laughs> all right, more about me than you ever wanted to know. Um, we uh, are going to take a little break, uh, Blake. Anything to uh, plug, talk about here as we go out? Yes, we have Alexis Mateo, Mariah Balenciaga, Cynthia Lee Fontaine, and April Carrion 
reacting to Drag Race Mexico on Binge Queens, only on WoW Presents Plus. New episodes drop on Tuesdays. I have a question. Are they reacting in Espanol or in Inglés? I think they're act- reacting in English, but I have no idea. Right. Well, I, you'll have to watch to find out. I've seen the clips and I've seen the, it's, it's captioned, but I didn't have to sound up because, you know, I was in the plane. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue to count down the top 10 things that made us go, wow. You're listening to the, uh, the wow report on radio. Andy, don't go anywhere. You're listening to world of wonders. Wow. Report things that make us go. Wow. We're back. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. I am Tom Campbell here with James St. James and Blake Jacobs. Fenton Bailey, our fearless leader, is on a fabulous vacation and well-deserved. Hurry back, Fenton. Tell us all about it. Um, uh, We are now at number seven in our countdown of the top ten things that made us go wow. James St. James. Number seven. I just want to put the fear of God in everybody. I wanted to talk about something very terrifying. Um, I'm just going to read this sort of uh, off of uh, an article that I found. Um, Douglas Hofstetter, a legendary scholar and AI skeptic, recently wrote an essay. And I'm just going to read a few uh, excerpts from this essay about um, AI. And he says, quote, I think AI's progress is terrifying. I hate about it. I hate it. I think about it all the time, every single day. It feels as if the entire human race is about to be eclipsed and left in the dust. The accelerating progress has been so unexpected and caught me so completely off guard, not only myself, but many other people. There is a kind of terror of an oncoming tsunami that is going to catch all of humanity off guard. AI renders humanity a very small phenomena compared to something else that is far more intelligent than us. And AI will become as incomprehensible to us as we are to cockroaches. Very soon, these AI entities may well be far more intelligent than us. And at that point, we will recede into the background. We will have handed the baton over to our successors. If this were to happen... Over a long time, like hundreds of years, that would be okay, but it's happening over a period of a few years. To me, it's quite terrifying because it suggests everything I used to believe has been overturned. I thought it would be hundreds of years before anything remotely like a human mind would soon be possible. I never imagined that computers would surpass or rival human intelligence It was a goal so far away that I wasn't worried about it. And then it started happening at an accelerating pace where unreachable goals and things that computers shouldn't be able to do started happening, like the defeat of Kerry Gasroff to Big Blue, um, to Deep Blue, the, the computer, the chess playing computer. And the systems got better and better at translating between languages and then at producing intelligible responses to difficult questions in a natural language and even started writing poetry. And that's just a little bit of it right there. But the fact that he thinks that it, the AI uh, synchronicity or whatever that is, is coming within a couple of years is terrifying. What do you think? It's like climate change. I don't know what to do, James. I don't know what to do. And I don't think there is anything to do at this point. I think it's happened too. It's happening too fast. Like with with climate change, I don't think that we can stop it at this point. We're all just on the the, the you know roller coaster ride to hell. The only glimmer of hope was that he at one point compared humans to cockroaches, and Cher has also 
been compared to cockroaches before that in the end after the apocalypse the only thing that will survive is sharing cockroaches so i'm hoping so maybe we will survive a, 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 an apocalyptic world and our leaders share since tina went along we don't need another hero but you know since she left us beyond thunderdome that share will take up the, the march I don't, I don't know that's that's heavy stuff james what are we gonna do yeah. with that i mean Sorry, do I they think know. it's gonna be like terminator well the, what what is it when the when human or when the computers become more intelligent than humans and it's it, it's like the Cylons on Battlestar Galactica. I mean, they just have no use. We, they, we at best we are pets. At worst, we are slaves. You know, I mean, like there's just there's no uh, there's no two ways about it. Yeah, I was. Uh, I just saw Independence Day for the first time since I watched it in 1996, the Will Smith film with yeah. Jeff Goldblum. And uh, it was all about mean aliens that were smarter than us. But the way they killed him, Jeff Goldblum snuck a laptop up into the computer, into the space, and was able to get on their Wi-Fi. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and upload a virus, which lowered their shields, <laughs> which allowed everything to like. Simpler Cause, times. Because that's the other thing with them, Star Wars. You know the Death Star in the first Star Wars, the very original Star Wars? It's yeah. basically they attacked the anus. Right. Yeah. They go through the, the, the perineum or whatever that is. And then but they... why? But why would you if you're creating a Death Star, would you put an anus on the Death Star? Why would you put that little hole? I don't know. But the whole it reminded me a little no bit defense. of Independence Day. It felt very penal. It felt very like getting inside. So I, I just look for the anus of AI and, and aim and shoot. That, that's that's the most constructive thing I have to offer. And you've scared us to shit. Thank you, James. Thank God you did this in the middle of the show so we can just drag along for the rest. <laughs> um, AI warning from James St. James. You heard it here first and maybe last. Maybe this is the last show. Maybe we're AI already. I don't know. Um, thank you, James. Let's move on to number five, six. Number six. Oh, my God. Become, I've become Fenton. I've become Fenton. Number six. All right, another documentary about another famous homosexual. I watched the Rock Hudson HBO Max documentary. Yeah, wow, okay. Do you see it, James? I did, yes. Blake, did you see it? I haven't, but I walked by while my roommate was watching it. Well, that counts. That counts, yeah. Yeah, you take you take the segment. Go, run with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I was home watching it with my sister who wanted to see it, which I thought that was interesting. Um there's a device. Again, it's all done with voiceover and 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 archival footage of people. There's this device. It's not the central part of it, but they use a lot of clips from Rock Hudson movies, which seem to illustrate poetically echo the suppression, the, you know, and I thought that got tired. I thought yeah. that because it was like scenes that really weren't about his homosexuality, but you could kind of out of context think that he was talking about his homosexuality. They're clever at times because, of course, Rock Hudson in all the Doris Day movies, which I love him in. I've seen other things. But, you know, oftentimes the plot was, you know, in order to keep him away from the woman, he pretended to be gay. And it's like, oh, my God, here's Rock Hudson, who's gay, playing straight in real life, playing gay on the thing. So there is a great irony in that. We've known about it. My fear of the Rock Hudson thing is I just know too much and I'm too old because I didn't get a lot of spanking brand new information. 
And then, of course, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm realizing now that I'm just a tired old uh, 80s queen. But when it got to the part, the first part is interesting. It's about his career. It's about, you know, how he sort of fit in. What, but I'm not surprised. I mean, Hollywood, I guess it's good for it's good for it to be on the record. But Hollywood, you, there was a way you played being homosexual. There's always been gay people. They just had to play the game a different way. I'm not saying it was better. It was much, much worse. But that's what it was. And then uh, everything, you know, he changed the world. Uh, when he became HIV positive and the, the Linda Evans thing and the kiss and dynasty and, and the Doris Day moment and Elizabeth Taylor stepping forward. And what, Nancy what, Reagan what, refusing to help uh, when he asked her to, to get him to France. For yes, that. they needed to get him to a U.S. hospital in France. And so they all reached out to Nancy Reagan, who was a very good friend of his. And one of his best friends. And she was the first lady of the United States. And she... Yes. I've heard that story, but somehow seeing the the first lady's secretary's letter saying at this point we don't think this is a wise thing for us to do was was devastating and makes you yeah. angry yeah. all over again. What did you think about I, it, James? Well, I was not paying attention in the beginning. Did Me they too. Start, were they starting with the um the Scotty Bowers? Wasn't he one of Scotty Bowers' like boys? Or he was um no, it's the, the Henry guy? Wilson, the the agent Henry Wilson, the he, agent Henry Wilson who did. Uh, uh, who else? Tab the, Hunter and all Tab, those. Yeah, okay. All all the gays. Yes. Yeah. The hot gays. So did they get into the, uh, the all that or they did, did talk they about that? They okay. did talk about that. And I how... have to go back and rewatch all that because it does. It gets very dark and it gets very sad and it was not a, a happy life. I don't think for him. Um, I it's there was some frank conversation. Someone had recorded a conversation because you know everybody was pimping for him, right? He had a he was supposedly had a big cock. And they have him on the phone. Someone's going, hey, uh, Rock, how are you? And it's a recording. It's like, oh, you're good. How are you? How are you doing? And it's like, you know, I have this uh, gentleman I'd like you to meet. He's a uh, he's, uh, six two. You know, he goes, well, how's he equipped? And he goes, well, I don't think he'll be disappointed. <laughs> I mean, it's really transactional. But I remember the days when we lived separate lives. We were like, you know, had our friends, had our social life, had our parties, and then everyone would go home and the gayness would come out, right? It wasn't. I did enjoy uh, a lot of the, you know, because he was famous for having those pool parties. Yes. Uh, it was just naked boy and hot naked boys. And you saw the home movies of that and you thought, hell yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you're, a, that's how you be a star in Hollywood Who... in the 1970s, 60s, and 70s. My m- memory's horrible. Who wrote uh, Tales of the City? Armistead Maupin. He's quoted throughout. He had a fling. He goes, I was never his boyfriend. He's never my boyfriend. We were like play objects. Like when he was younger, he had sex with uh, Rock. Rock thought he was kind of smart and liked his writing and they had flings and he'd be invited. And there's a picture of Armistead like at the pool with his little butt crack showing. It's just like, I mean, part of it's, again, how we find the light literally and figuratively, um, even in the darkest and most repressive of times. Hopefully that won't be happening again soon. Who knows? Will AI be kind to the gay people? Or will AI not be kind to people, James? James? Will AI like its gay pets? I don't know. Oh, scary. All right. Um, Rock Hudson, All That Heaven Allows is a documentary. I would recommend seeing Giant. He's so good in Giant. I would oh. recommend seeing Pillow Talk. I would recommend seeing 
a magnificent obsession. He did a bunch of movies with Jane Wyman, including all the Douglas Sirk movies. The the Douglas Sirk ones are spectacular. Spectacular. And I I kind of want to watch a couple Macmillan and Wife's just to remind myself what those were like. Oh, yeah. But uh, I I do have have still a big crush on Rock Hudson. Um, Let's move on. Back to you, James, at number... Number five. Oh, my God. Did you hear there was cocaine found at the White House? Stop the presses. It's the biggest story on the planet. CNN, Fox News, MSNB, everybody is just talking, talking. It's like, can you believe it? There's cocaine in Washington, D.C. Now, the right is screaming, uh, Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. (laughs) The left is screaming, Don Jr. left it there. Don Jr. must have done it. Right. Okay. Now, everything I know about Washington, D.C. is that it is like Wall Street in the 80s. Cocaine runs freely in the streets there. Everybody is out of their minds 24-7. That is everybody. I have a few thoughts on why it's not Hunter Biden, because if you break it down, okay, number one, Hunter Biden is not entering the White House in a visitor's entrance <laughs> and leaving his iPhone with the security. Okay, that that's just not happening. Okay, number two, Hunter Biden doesn't carry a little baggie of a quarter bag of Coke with him where he goes. Hunter Biden throws down eight ball after eight ball after eight ball. There ain't no there ain't no little tiny baggie of. Why do Coke. I think that Hunter's a meth head? By the way, but keep going, keep going, keep going. It, but it, but it's eight balls of meth. It's not a little tiny glycerin bag, you know. And does little key bumps. No, that is not Hunter Biden. Number three, um, nobody who does cocaine doesn't know where their baggie is. It's not something you lose. If you're doing coke, you know exactly where your baggie is. You don't lose a baggie of cocaine. That's just, that's not going to, it was either planted or it, um, uh, it, it just there's there's another part to the story here that we aren't getting. Okay, um, I have a theory, and hear me out. I don't mean to disparage a group of people, but I'm going to say it was the gays. Okay, I don't know if you remember that uh, out of control. Uh, pride party the week before where the trans girl showed her titties and got into all sorts of trouble for it. And if you, if Blake, yes. I was going to say this. Okay, because if you know gays, you know that they're doing K in in the bathroom. They're treating the White House like it was a white party. I mean, that's just how <laughs> gays are. Okay? And they're like, you know, people are hiding behind potted palms in the, the Oval Office doing bumps. That's just how gays I think it was residue. For, I think it was from that. So when you when you're in the White House restroom and your pants are around your ankles because you're doing a quickie, that's when presumably a little thing of coke could bu- fall out of your pocket. You not know, right? Possibly. Okay. Yes. But if you remember that party, it was like everyone was like, Ugh, "Why are we giving the right?" You know, uh, all this ammunition. There was the trans the trans influencer who met Biden and then she went outside and flashed her tits for the paparazzi. I mean, like the, the gays just cannot be trusted anywhere. And that's my theory as to what happened. This would be an excellent episode of Murder She Wrote. If we were if AI could write a murder she wrote about a murder in the White House and a bag of cocaine. I want to see this is a, a, a episode of Black Mirror that needs to happen. James, make 
this happened. This is the premise for your next book. Why such a long period between books, James? You've just come up with your new your new book. The game yeah, can't be think, trusted. I, I do think that the right is so eager to blame it on Hunter. They they're loving any chance they get. I don't know if you saw on the balcony there was um I sent I think I sent it to you guys and you see Hunter do this and everyone's saying that he was doing like a like a bump in behind and they're saying that Jill Biden was a part of it because Jill Biden is a crackhead too. Like, I mean, they're, they're getting so, they're so outrageous with their accusations. I don't think Hunter Biden is standing on a balcony in in front of 10,000 people doing one hit bumps, you know? Maybe we need AI to take over as things are going. I think so too. I think I'm going to bring it back to AI. Every topic that's going to bring us <laughs> way down to AI and the end of the world. Um, all right, James, you seemed a little extra energized during that segment, but we'll just take that <laughs> as value, just a topic. Cocaine Bear, Cocaine in the White House, the sequel. Um, all right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to keep counting down. Uh, anything to plug our good producer Judy Jake. No, Blake, nothing? We always have something to plug, Tom. Oh, good, good. I saw you shaking your head. I got nervous. We've got DragCon UK coming up in 2024, January. You can already buy tickets at RuPaul'sDragCon.com. I was there last year. It was a blast. A blast. We also need to plug um, uh, uh, Night Fever, which is um, we're on episode four. And yep. it keeps getting better and better. The season gets mm-hmm. out of control. This week we have Man Parish and the stories of sex clubs <laughs> in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol working with Klaus Nomi. I mean, it just, it is a wild ride. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, or watch it on Wow Presents Plus. If you enjoy yeah. the Wow report, James's redheaded stepchild of a job, then you'll love Night Fever his favorite podcast of all <laughs> available wherever podcasts are listened to. And I um, really look glamorous. This time. <laughs> he does. He wears a really <laughs> fancy bathrobe. <laughs> it is it's a fancy bathrobe, but with jewels. With I, jewels. I, I pair it with some emeralds. Who uh, you, you're like, um, you're like, uh, who was the Glenn Close played her in the movies? The, 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 in the coma lady, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> you're doing kind of a Sunny Von Bulo. I'm in a coma. Sunny Von Bulo of wow. <laughs> <laughs> and still more entertaining than all of us, even in a coma, James. I love you. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue. Uh, this is the wow report on radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. We are back. We are counting down the top 10 things that make us go wow. I'm Tom Campbell here with James St. James, Blake Jacobs. Fenton's away, but we'll be back. Uh, And we will continue the countdown with number four. Number four. All right. I did it. It was only five episodes, but I stayed through the entirety, watched every lick, even rewatched at times, The Idol on HBO. And I I texted James, I texted you this. I was like, people, what did I say? But it's just like, people who find it like, uh, uh, I think it's the most accurate portrayal of the music industry and show business that I've ever seen. And it creeps people out because there's no moral, there's no morality to it. A lot of things aren't set up. It's just sort of behavioral excess. People being allowed to be children. People mm-hmm. in the moment fidgeting out of 
of situations with whatever, like believing it when they say it and not a moment before or a moment after. Um, but, but Tom, it, 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 I, I don't quite understand where you're coming from because this is the most un-Tom show that I've ever, I mean, you, you, you shy away from these squeamish excesses. You hate all of this. And the, the episode that, that just turned me that I said, I can't do this anymore was after the, they were electrocuting choice of when they were with the cattle prod and they tied him up and they were torturing him. And I just kept thinking, this is, and, and, and then that she kept saying more, more again, again, again. And like at that moment, she, there's no coming back from that. You're absolutely right. And in terms of literature and likable characters, because everyone's like, oh, The weekend's horrible. It's, no, The weekend's hateful. And she's hateful. Did you watch the last one? Well, I didn't quite understand what was going on. It was it was double crossing on double crossing on double crossing. And who ended up like who who was who was in charge? Who is who was doing the, the double crossing? She's in charge because spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, you know, and you want to see it. Go, go uh, flip to uh, 61. Wait a minute, but, but, but before you say this, because what I saw was that she says that she's been in control all along. She kicks it, she kicks the weekend out, but then at the end, she brings him back on stage and he's there together. She again. wants the tour to happen no matter what. He's been up for days. He's Koki. The guys from Live Nation and her managers and every the record company come. He is a, he in that moment is a liability. She distances herself from him as much as she can. She puts her stake in the ground and then he's chastised. And then the managers have him arrested, have him, you know, they, 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 they just put him through. And, and there's even a scene where they're in the, the SoFi stand. They're like, we destroyed him. We destroyed him. <laughs> and they were cackling like, and people think that's an over the top scene. I've seen people. <laughs> we I mean, got him. <laughs> yes. And that, and that again isn't the way it's going to end. That's the part of the drama you don't know, and it's a tragedy. And she ends; he ends up coming to get tickets. It's not under his name; it's under his real name. The only one there is the beautiful actress. I can't remember her name. The African American actress who um, stayed in the house with them, and she and she says, "Listen, you know, I can fuck." You know, she she sort of like she puts him on guard, and then they talk, and you're like, "Why is he is there?" That, this is the big girl, right? The the big fabulous one, right? Yes. Whose yeah, name okay. I can't remember, and they can't. Uh, th- he's there, and he sees the brush that she said that her mother used to abuse her with, because she's gone public with all of her mental health right, issues. Right, right, right. Yeah. And he goes, "This is a new brush." And she's like, "You know," she just gives him a look. It's like, like what's real, what's fake? Welcome to show business. And then she goes out on stage, and reminiscent of sort of like a star is born where after uh, James Mason dies and Judy Garland goes on stage. Uh, My name is Mrs. Norman Mela. There's no performance. There's no singing. She comes out and goes, I owe this to someone who made this all happen. Who is my life spirit, the love of my life as her manager. They think they have the last laugh. They have control over her. They've got the money. They've had to say, and out comes Tedros. Out comes the weekend. And you realize Mental illness, self-indulgence. She will do whatever the fuck she wants. And they all have to chase after her. But but the thing, okay, why introduce the whole plot thread where Troy Sivan takes the 
takes the picture of the ex-boyfriend. What? What? Why even introduce the ex-boyfriend if they're just going to destroy him in three scenes? And like, wh- what was the purpose of destroying him? I don't. I, there's so many plot threads that did not make any sense to me. I think it's none of it supposed to make sense. I think life doesn't make sense. Wait, and you don't think that, that if they had gone with the six episodes instead of five episodes, that it would have been a little clearer to me? Maybe, and I can't defend every choice that's made, but I just, I worked in management. We've all worked in show business. We've seen things up close. Things shift, and like, we try so hard to put a storyline to things. I mean, I hate to bring up Brittany, but I won't. But you know, all of the speculation and the thing, it is a, if you, if you have the talent, if you have that undeniable thing that makes you a star and people love you, then you can get away with murder. The thing is, though, you're absolutely correct, though, in that it is we know these monsters. We have worked with these monsters. We uh, have been friends with these monsters. We know, we have been to these parties. We've lived this. You know, I've never been tied up and, and electrocuted. God, yet. knock on wood. Yes. Yes. But it, you know, uh, but that's what made it so squeamish for me was that it was maybe a little too close to home. I just, I know these people. And so it was, it was hard to watch. It wasn't pleasant. I don't think they'll make more who knows, but to me in a weird way, because it was so disconnected, because it was so, I just, it's all about, Hey, I love all this false intimacy of our business, which we all do to a certain degree, but people take it to the extreme. And, and, and the fact that the choice of on thing went so severe, which was weird and didn't make sense, but it's like, you can trust and that's was me, or is that AI? I don't know. Um, let's move on now to number three, James St. James. Number three. Um, very quickly, I just uh, started watching Generation Gap, which uh, came back this season for a season two. Uh, it's a game show on ABC. It um, stars uh, 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 Kelly Ripa. Kelly Ripa, oh my God, of course. Kelly Ripa is the perfect host. She is so glamorous. She's so beautifully dressed. She's so beautiful. She can talk to anybody. She's absolutely, she's pitch perfect for this. The setup is is that it's uh, children and their grandparents uh, compete against each other. And they are shown, I mean, it's it's it's, I mean, it's such a no-brainer. The, the, the grandparents are shown pictures of Camilla Cabela and they say, who is that? And they're like, Britney Spears. <laughs> And then the kids are shown pictures of like Greta Garbo or Ronald Reagan. And they're like, is that the Black Panther? <laughs> it's always the Black that- Panther. <laughs> the girl kept saying Black Panther for everyone who was black. And then, you know, and then it's like, is that Spider-Man? You know, like they, like the kids have no, and the problem with it is you re- it all depends on the kids and the grandparents. If you have some duds, the whole show falls flat. There was one, the, the one episode I saw, it was three in a row. There, the I don't know if you saw the the sort of Elizabeth Taylor looking mother. Yes, I saw she, that one. She was fantastic and her kid was fantastic. But the other kids were like, I don't know. And the grandparents were like, I don't know. And if you have like, I don't know, I don't know. I, you have to give guesses. You, yes. it, you, it all depends on on how fun the, the guests are. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is I thought it should have been a half hour instead of an hour because so many of the games are exactly alike. You know, it's it's all just you know. Yeah. I, I think it would work if it was it was if it was shorter and punchier. Tom, what do you think about the show? I watched it because you mentioned it. And I want to see it. I thought it was cute. I, I do. It's a it's a brilliant premise. It is one of those things you're like, why didn't I think of this? Yeah. Because because you're sitting there either not knowing 
or you're sitting there knowing and can't believe they don't know. So it, it really, it does engage you and it's something you can watch. And I am the grandparents age. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, uh, uh, the other thing. But what's sad is that I know all the children's answers. <laughs> well, that's good about us. That's because we're gay and we're pop culture driven. So good for us. I but, know um, the iCarly answers. Yes. I know. And, and uh, the, was. the Sweet Life on Deck. I know every episode. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I will just give a shout out, an obvious one, because she has been famous and serving perfection for a, since 1990, whenever she went on All My Children. But Kelly Ripa is at the super, just when you thought she was at the height of her career, she's at another level with this talk show. And I have to say, I was nervous about Kelly and Mark. I was nervous about a husband and wife coming on TV and having a spontaneous conversation since you know even they, when they, been, yeah like how do you how do you recreate what you had it, uh, over breakfast every yes. single day and even when uh, joy filled in for kathy lee when Regis was there it was sweet to see them and you heard stories you hadn't heard but it was it wasn't the same and they are so good and I well he is he is just i mean like i mean the handsomest man on the planet oh and my god just, but even he, he when he used to guest, little shirts when he, he used to guest star, he'd be a little clunky, which you you pregame because he was guesting and you got to look at him. But he is a smooth operator. He's funny. Yeah, he he, we're getting to know them really well. So it is. I, uh, I I enjoy. I you know I get up lately. I've been watching The View, but I lately now I just I go for mm-hmm. Kelly and Mark because they are so fun together. And we like you said, you know, she has never had a misstep as far as I can tell. She is always on point. She is always fabulous. Even when she was on, you know, when she was the punk rocker, the goth yeah. girl, on yeah. the, the teenager on All My Children, she was, you know, yeah. as I, you know, as I am in the in the older part of the generation gap, it's just nice to see someone who just gets bigger and bigger. It's it's kind of like the Gail King story in a different way. Do you know what I mean? It's just like she, she's <laughs> never been, you know. Anyway, so it's, it's a go go girl go. So, so she's a hurricane instead of a tornado. She just gathers strength as she goes along hurricane kelly can be seen on live with kelly mark and generation gap on abc and hulu and things of that nature all (laughs) right um now let's go straight to number two wait number two do you people know who victor win by yama is no you are stumping us all three things this week (laughs) well you probably will know his name uh, soon because his security head of security just oh, smacked I heard. Face. Oh dear God! So Brittany, Brittany is in Las Vegas. She went out to eat at Catch, which you know that that restaurant they, we have it here in LA. There's one in Vegas, and she saw walking into the restaurant right before her Victor Winbanyama, who I guess. He is uh, with the San Antonio Spurs, and I guess they just picked all their people for the sports pit teams and stuff. So he just got picked, and Brittany is a fan, and she went up and, like, tapped him on the shoulder. And I guess, like, the security guy turned around and, like, hit, and it hit her hand, and she hit herself. But apparently there's, like, the law is involved. Like she's filing charges or something. Well, it, what happens is, is what the story is, is this nouveau superstar who has been famous for all of three minutes is surrounding himself with these overzealous security guards. Brittany Spears comes up to say hello. And the, 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 she gets hit in the face. 
by the you know and, and like people were saying like girl slow your roll you aren't that famous yet to be slapping britney spears around how Who famous do you, do you have to be are? to slap britney spears around how famous well, way more famous I, th- I think I know a few people who could, who are monsters enough to get away with it. Are they on the idol? No, I'm kidding. Um, the, um, the, you're the, a world the, of wonder. <laughs> this is something, this is this, oh, um, this is just a random fact that popped up. And I'm mind. just going to say, Michelle Fassage. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear you. Um, going through a tunnel. Uh, 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 there was a woman I met with at World of Wonder years ago. She was an attorney, and one of her jobs was she was involved with the NBA and whatever was to advise young men like this young man who's probably what twenty or twenty one or twenty two who go from you know a very humble life often to like this incredible amount of money and access and girls, girls, girls. How to keep your semen out of groupy women? Because, like, you can't leave condoms lying uh, around. Like, yeah. that, it was a whole course and how to protect yourself by becoming someone's baby daddy. And I thought that was, like, something there, I, I mean, never there, thought of. There was a whole thing. Uh, remember, didn't somebody go into a porta potty that Madonna had been in and made jewelry out of her poop that they got? Remember that? They made the little necklaces out of her poop. James, and- are you confessing this for the first time on air? <laughs> But there was a whole thing about like the the celebrities had to learn not to use public restrooms because people were going to take their poop and make jewelry out of it. Don't you remember this? It was huge. I I have seen Michelle. Speaking of Michelle Visage, I've seen her wearing kind of a chunky necklace. (laughs) (laughs) She every time I see it, she always says corn, corn. Gross. But it is, you know, it is, it's, it's, it is a big thing to go. I, and I always give people the benefit of the doubt. I always say that the first six months of your fame, first six to six months to a year, you can be a brat. You can be an asshole. You can get you, your head can be turned and that's fine. But after that, you got to learn some lessons and you got to. And after that, you're just James St. James. You heard me. Or Michelle Visage. <laughs> or in a poop necklace. Madonna poop necklace. Order now and get two. Save on shipping and handling. Um, oh, that sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> let's just do a quiet, just a moment, just a moment of silence for Madonna. Okay, we can move on. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about the number one thing that made us go wow, wow. here on uh, the Wow Report and Radio Andy. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Tom Campbell, James St. James, Blake Jacobs, here uh, filling in for uh, Fenton Bailey, who's on vacation. Hurry back, Fenton. We've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week in pop culture. And now we've reached number one. Number one. You know, a new Barbie trailer dropped this week, okay? And I don't know if you've watched the other Barbie trailers, each one as, as they come along. And each one gets a little, like, more meta and a little stranger. And you keep thinking, what is this movie going to be? And this new one comes along, and it's a conversation between Ken and Barbie and a couple other Barbies. And he's hurt his arm like I have. I, I really related. Um, but uh, he answered his, his – the way Ryan, uh, Ryan Gosling is playing the role is so funny. 
and so spot on it. And every line reading is funnier than the last one. And you realize that Ryan is just walking off with this film. If you've seen him in interviews where he's talking about his Kennergy and, you know, and all, I mean, like he is having the time of his life. And he even said, when someone asked him why he chose this role, he said it was the best script that he has ever gotten. And I believe that what is what you realize it through these trailers is that the dialogue is if an eight-year-old girl had written it. That's the whole theory of the movie is that every single line reading is an eight-year-old girl playing with her Barbie. And that's why when he says, can I come over to your house? And like, you know, oh my God, so cool. And there's like scenes where Barbie is walking down the stairs, but she's sort of flying down, like, you know, how a girl will walk, will take her bar. And everybody is walking around as if there's an invisible hand around their waist. And you see the Barbies flying here and there and there because the girls, you know, little girls and everything he says when he's like, you know, my job is beach. It's not lifeguard. And like the whole thing is just as if it's, it's so smart and it's so funny and it makes you think that it potentially could be very sad in the end as the little girl grows up or whatever and the dialogue starts to change. I just feel like there's the movie is really going to really – I think it's going to be the best movie of all time, frankly. You're I think- so upbeat about it. You you suck me in with your enthusiasm. I'm so – I'm just aware of the hype around it, the pink wave of plastic toys and, and houses wrapped in pink in Malibu as Malibu dream houses that it makes me just have some level one. You aren't liking that? It's it's a little, it's irritating to you? It makes, I I get nervous that I'm being sold too hard. Even on QVC, the one of two (laughs) channels that I watch, they're all like, well, this uh, raincoat comes in blue, green, and oh, look, it's Barbie pink. Like everyone's just like, everyone's just like, and I I live and work in a world of pink and orange, so I shouldn't be afraid, I guess. But I, well, I, I, love- want you to go, I want you to go back and watch the trailer again that I sent to you, because when you see Ryan and you give it to an eight-year-old girl's voice who is voicing him, it will, it, it changes the way, because when he's like, so cool and so cool. fabulous, <laughs> and like, when, when in the very end, when he's says um she says bye ken he says bye goodbye and the way he says bye goodbye is so funny that like i love it it, it just it's it's he's just over he's brilliant trust you, very 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 brilliant. smart people uh involved you know, when did yes. we ever let us down yes it's so true all right well we did it even without fenton we counted down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow James, thanks for coming, even though I know this isn't your favorite show that you do. Thanks for coming and making it so special. Blake, as always, for keeping it on track, for keeping us Blake, on time. Blake in his glamorous penthouse. I don't know if you're watching, but he's just got this yes. fabulous triplex. And his beard looks pretty hot, too. Um, and uh, I'm glad to be back for my little jaunt in New Hampshire. Um, until the next time we meet again, hopefully next week, same time, same place, uh, go out and do something that makes the world go Wow.